Hello and welcome back to the Spotlight Sessions, the podcast from AMP Talent Group where we chat with the people who power the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Rosie Ferguson. I'm happy you're here. So far in this series, we have heard from influential people behind the scenes. But today, we're speaking to someone who has made a tremendous impact in front of the camera. With over 25 years as a national host on the Weather Network, Kim McDonald has captivated audiences across Canada with her warm and authentic delivery. And she showed us what remarkable resilience looks like in her battle with breast cancer. She joins us now from the Weather Network's headquarters in Oakville. Welcome, Kim. It is so nice to see you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Rosie, it is my pleasure. My pleasure. I was so excited that you invited me to chat with you because you are honestly one of my favorite people in the world. So um. I am uh, I'm just honored to be here. <laughs> Kim, that's so lovely. And likewise, and you know, I first met Kim when I started my career in media at the Weather Network. And I don't think I ever told you this, Kim. I was telling our producer Mike this the other day. When I first started, you were one of the first people I ever met. And you were one of the first people I learned how to be a presenter from. And I remember thinking, and I still think this to this day, I thought it through my years working radio, hosting events. I just want to be the way I am in front of the camera, the way I am off the camera, which is exactly how you always were. And it was amazing and it was effortless and nobody else is like that. And that was one of the first things I noticed about Kim all those many years ago. She is so, so awesome. Oh, gee. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, that's so flattering. It's true. I always, I'm tr- it's a hard thing to teach people. I try to do it when new people come in. I, I'm used as you know a, a mentor. <laughs> and I, I always say there's, all, there's too many other things to think about. Don't change who you are. That's the easy part. Just stay who you are. You have all these other things to think about, like when it comes to the weather, for example, so many things to keep uh, straight in your head that if you then try to take on a persona that's not you, it's an added layer that is just, that'll just make things more difficult. So just be who you are. I always say be who you are, but 10% better on TV. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, you guys listening, you can't see this, but I can see Kim's face right now. And as she's saying all those amazing words, she's smiling. And that is one thing that was always special about you. You were always, always smiling. You were smiling when you were having conversations about the weather with Canadians. You're smiling when you're having interviews with with people. You're smiling. But then when you step off camera, it's the same. You're this amazing, <laughs> smiling, wonderful person. And then the camera, the red light goes on. And Kim is still Kim. You are always so authentic. And I remember thinking, if nothing else, that is what I want to be. Be. And I was very lucky to have you also early on and as so many other people were because yes, at the Weather Network, Kim certainly is one of the people that's and they're smart to do this. She she mentors and she teaches and she she's absolutely terrific. So let's talk more about you as a as a broadcaster. <laughs> I want to talk about you. <laughs> Well, that's, you know, I I really, I I thought about that. I I was chatting with Mike about it and I thought, I don't think I've ever told that to Kim. So I think this is a perfect opportunity to to tell her. So thank you for that. Well, I love that. Thank you. Share with us. Tell us how it all started for for Kim McDonald. How did you get into broadcasting? Was it something you always wanted to do? It was not something I had always wanted to do, but it was something I quickly learned that was 
my only skill. I, <laughs> I remember Barbara Walter saying that she was like, I'm not good at anything else except for what I do. And I feel like I am the same way. Do not ask me to be crafty or, you know, nope. keep a plant alive. But you know what, I can I can do broadcasting. So when I was a kid, I was, um, you know, I was a fairly smart kid. Um, I was not athletic at all. Uh-huh. I was a geeky little nerd. <laughs> and I found out that I could do public speaking. Right. And we had something called the Speech Arts Festival where I grew up in St. Catharines and you would go up on a stage and you would uh, maybe recite a poem. So it would be the same poem, 10 kids getting up and doing the same poem. And I would win this thing <laughs> and I wouldn't win anything. So I would get up and then, you know, I remember when I was like 10 or 11, I'd go up and there'd be 20 kids and I would, you know, do my little poem. And I would win first place. Crushed it. You <laughs> and crushed it. Was, it. Crushed the competition. Was, <laughs> it was the only ribbon I could ever win. I was like, I was a, you know, a participant in everything else. But it was so, I was thinking, okay, so I have this skill where I can actually speak. And I could do a speech in front of a class. And I, it wasn't a problem. I was, I'm not saying I wasn't nervous because I was. Yeah. I was very nervous. But I could still do it. And then um, I remember in high school, we had this, I think I was grade 11 or 12, and the science teacher, who I guess didn't really want to teach a lot, would get us to mm-hmm. read out of the textbook aloud. Okay. And it soon came to the point where he would only call me to speak, <laughs> to read. And and he'd say, okay, open your textbooks. And then everyone would go, Kim, say my name simultaneously, because they knew that's what he was going to say. And yep. it was really funny. And none of these things really, uh, I it didn't really occur to me at the time that this was, you know, that this could lead me into a broadcasting career. So as a kid, this is where, this is where I think it's coming from. Plus all the, you know, the shows we put on for our parents, friends, when we were kids, let's dress up and (laughs) sing and dance and make up plays. And my dad would play the guitar and call me out for a party and sing with daddy. And so I was doing a lot of these little kind of performance things as a kid. But when I went to school, I thought I was going to be a teacher. And I, and I kind of am a teacher in a little, in a, in a way as well. No, very much so. My mom was a teacher and my dad was a principal. So having that (laughs) (laughs) and only being in school my whole life, I didn't know that there were other jobs. For sure. And you know, it's funny just listening to you, you know, talk about how you just, you would, that was what you like to do. You would effortlessly perform. One thing I want to tell people, and I'm always amazed, even at the time that I was at the, the Weather Network and then afterwards, people don't realize that when you are on air at the Weather Network, there's no script. There's right. no, you know, except for the, the, um, the, the news, you know, the, the newscast, the odd thing for, for the most part, you're standing in front of that camera, you're standing in front of that key wall, the green screen with the weather maps behind you. And there's nothing, you're just talking. And I'm always amazed that people don't know that it's like, well, who do you think's writing that? Like, who would write all that? Like, that's a, that's a lot of stuff to write. I'm like, no, these broadcasters are completely unscripted. They get all that no- weather changes every day. So they're getting all that knowledge from the meteorologist. They're absorbing it. They're succinctly packing it up in their heads and then they're delivering it across Canada to different uh, you know, geographical parts of the country, depending on where the active weather is. And that is something that you have always made look so effortless and that and and that's there's there's no script guys it's just completely ad lib so do you feel just very natural when it comes to ad lib and improv improvisation 
I think I got there um, from being in radio first. So starting mm-hmm. in radio, uh, they they I was the news person in radio. So of course I would read the news. So and where then did you work in radio I, before? The, like, tell us about I your was career before. Initially, so I was initially at a tiny little station in Welland, a country station called CHOW, okay. and I was still in college. And I they <laughs> needed somebody, and I was I was doing the morning show, then I was doing the afternoon show, then I was doing both because it was a small radio station. And then they're, oh, we want you to co-host the morning show. We want you to do news. So I was just doing everything. Yeah. But six months in, I got the job at 97.7 Hits FM in St. Catharines, which is a much bigger station, and 610 CKTB, which is the talk radio station. So I was on the FM and the AM, uh, you know, top of the hour. I would go to the AM station, read the news, bottom of the hour, I'd go to the FM. And then at 20 after and 22, I'd sit in with the, the guys, the morning <laughs> show guys, uh, and I would joke and laugh and they would do contests and I would just yeah. be a part of the morning sure. show. But one of the talk radio show hosts, the morning show host on the AM side, said to me, you know what, for our first news of the day, 5.30 in the morning, let's just talk about the news. Let's not, don't read it. And I was going to have a heart attack. I'm yeah. like, what, what yeah. do you mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, let's yeah. just, you know, let's just riff on the news. Just tell me what the big stories are. And what a change maker that was. I mean, that was yep. the thing that got me to ad lib about the news and it was hard at first but the more I did it the uh you know the better I got at it and then by the time I got to the weather network I was five years in broadcasting and I could just talk (laughs) so there we are well well I remember I I think we were we it was after the the weather network has been in a couple of places and for years Kim and I worked at the studio that was in Mississauga then it moved to this big beautiful building where it is now in Oakville and I think when we were in the process of moving we were digging up all these tapes and stuff and Kim I remember you had your audition tape because we all keep our audition tapes you had your audition tape on a VHS machine and the program manager director at the time I can't remember who it was but he popped it in he's like let's watch Kim's audition tape and then we were all like how is your audition tape so good <laughs> because you had was it no- my audition tape or was it my first day on air tape it I was- remember I had a VHS of my first day on air and if there is something with my audition on it I want to see it um it was something I- it was a it was a something from the beginning like the very, very new something very new and yes. we were all like how was she so good like right away because there were no ums there were no ahs there was no hesitation like you just were so natural and again you know there's there's no script this is you taking all this information but what an interesting exercise that that morning show person had you do and I wonder if that is a a good thing for someone who's wanting to you know get into broadcasting and not have to rely so heavily on a script I would say that would be probably a really good exercise okay tell me let's just talk about it what is talk about these new stories talk about these these weather stories that's that's really interesting that it changed everything for you then you really have to understand what you're reading. You can't just write a piece and then go on the air and read it and not know what you're talking about. And in weather, that's the deal. You really have to understand your subject matter in order to ad lib about it. And that's, you know, that's just how it went. And in those early days, Rosie, we were live on the air for three hours and 40 minutes, every hit. <laughs> now everything is, is recorded. So sure. we don't have to have yes. that skill set like we did unless there's severe weather where, right. you know, we'll live stream. But in those days you got good pretty quickly because it was day after day of <laughs> live scriptless television. Yes, yes, yes. It's a, it's a marathon. You really have to stay 
you know, hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> and with comfortable shoes. And comfortable shoes in front of that key wall. Oh my goodness. It really is a, it really is a unique and, and, and cool and remarkable thing to, uh, to, to work at the Weather Network. I feel so lucky to have been there as long as I did and meet amazing people like you. So Kim, throughout your career, you have had, you know, you are OG, you have interviewed everybody. You've talked to astronauts, you've talked to Olympians, you've talked to so many interesting Canadians that have their own weather stories. So tell us, can you share any memorable encounters or experiences that really left a lasting impact on you? Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Especially since I do this new feature called Candid Close-Up where I can interview uh, regular Canadians who like to contribute to the Weather Network. So they'll, they'll do a, a video or a photo and they'll send it to the Weather Network. So it was about turning the camera back on them a little bit. Who is this person who loves whatever so much? New yeah. Brunswick, Alberta, mm -hmm. Northwest Territories. So there's a couple. One woman, Anne-Marie Stevens. She was my very first subject for Canada Close-Up. I okay. put it out there on Facebook. She goes, I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, right. this, is, this is great. <laughs> this woman sends in her stuff every day. So she, she goes down to Lake Erie. She lives in Port Stanley, right by the beach. She mm -hmm. goes down and she gets her camera out every morning and she tapes the sunrise. Videos the sunrise, I should say. Nobody tapes anything. So <laughs> she videos the sunrise every single morning. And I said to her, you know, everybody loves a nice sunrise, <laughs> but not everybody gets up every single day to, to do this. And not knowing, honestly, Rosie, I knew nothing about this woman. Yeah. I said, why do you do it? And she said, I had five boys. My youngest son, Joey, died when he was one years old oh. of a rare condition. And she said that being close to the water was like being close to heaven. And being there at sunrise was like being close to my baby. And so I never miss a day. Oh, my gosh. And I did not expect that. No. And I was so privileged that she shared it with me. Of course. And then when I shared her story, she got so much positive feedback. Oh, like so I many bet. beautiful messages. <laughs> and it was, I, you know, I just felt like that I was a, a little bit of a conduit for yes. her. Um, but also I've had so many interviews where people surprised me and it really taught me that everybody, everybody has a story. There's a woman, Lorraine Perrow from Toronto. This is also sad. I'm sorry to be, you know, sad, but this, but it's just touching. Yeah, but so it's she, strength, it's empowering uh, too, right? So she had, she had pancreatic cancer and she was, uh, a professional photographer. So she had videos or she had photos published in Time Magazine and McLean's Magazine. And she told me that COVID was really difficult for her. So she, now she's not working anymore. She can't work in groups. Yeah. Then she got sick. She didn't know she had pancreatic cancer because of COVID. She um, didn't go to the hospital right away. So it had, you know, it had really advanced without her knowing. And here she was talking to me, you know, just this big smile, this sweet woman. And she, for the Weather Network, she would go out and she would put the camera on herself and she would call it the silly hat weather forecast <laughs> because she was bald after chemo. She'd wow. wear a funny, cute hat. Yeah. And she's like, this is your silly hat weather forecast. And here I am in <laughs> Toronto and the sun is shining. So I said, you know, 
why, why did you do that? And mm. then she said, well, sharing this stuff with people online um, built a community. She said, mm. so many people would look at my stuff and like my photos and comment on them. And then, you know, and then I got to share her story. So this woman who was, you know, quite lonely, who had once been on the top of the world with her profession, um, you know, I, I was just so touched by her. And sadly, she's gone now. But I just felt this, again, privilege to have talked to her and to have shared her story and to have other people give her such positive feedback as a result. Oh, my heart. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's hard. But I love what you said about being, I love what you said about being a conduit because there's so many stories out there. There's so many people living through things. And I think when we live through things that are, are difficult and that are challenging, of course, you some you feel alone. You feel like maybe I'm the only person doing this. But then, when someone like you has that platform and then is able to be that conduit and to share it, to have to be flooded with all that love, I think would be the best feeling in the world. Yeah, so yeah. It how, was just I felt like remarkable. it was small thing to do and didn't do it intentionally. You know, I wanted to do a piece on somebody who took photos and then suddenly it turns into something completely different. There was a woman who um, had a photographic memory, she told me. So she memorized this book of birds, basically, (laughs) every single bird, every sound it made, every look (laughs) and her and her partner, uh, they would go out to national parks and she would know every bird, like every everything that was nearby. And I said, I went into this going, wow, these, this couple takes really great pictures of yeah. wildlife yeah. and birds and owls. I have no idea that this woman is, she came from South America, yeah. she learned English yeah. and then had a photographic memory. So this is the kind of thing I, I'm, I'm saying. I don't, Canadians have great stories oh. and you don't have to be famous and you don't yes. have to be in the spotlight. Uh, I don't know. There hasn't been one person I've, I've spoken to who was who didn't have something interesting in their back pocket For that sure. I was blown away by. You know, in Kim's Instagram, and um, I'll, I'll give all her handles later so you you guys can can follow her and find her. This is and this is something I always love about Kim. You have a quote from a very very lovely Crowded House song, and it was actually made me listen to Crowded House. Everywhere you go, always take the weather with you from that great song, Weather With You. And I love that because it's true, right? We all Canadians, we love to talk about the weather and we all have stories. And I think that being, you know, being in that, working there and and being, having that lovely authentic ability you have to connect with people, you're going to get a lot of wonderful, wonderful stories and a lot of people sharing a lot of cool stuff with you. So that's pretty, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. And you know, it's funny because I have these, you know, Canadians <laughs> telling me extraordinary stories and I have extraordinary Canadians like Haley Wickenheiser telling me her best weather story, you know, <laughs> being stuck on the side of the road with her dad because they couldn't make it back from a tournament because yes. there was a blizzard in Saskatchewan, you know, and she's just regaling me with these great weather stories. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody's got one. So, Everybody has go. one. Oh my goodness. The glue that keeps Canadians together. (laughs) Well, okay. So let's talk a bit about the, about the industry, the entertainment industry. So, you know, whether we're working in media and film, TV, entertainment, there's obviously challenges and obstacles on that path to success. Can you share with our listeners who, you know, a lot of people listening that are, let's face it, they are trying to make it. They are trying to, to get there in, in entertainment 
do you have you ever had a moment where you had to overcome something tough and kind of just make your own path figure it figure it out something that was hard yeah I mean I've had it pretty easy I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie Rosie but (laughs) in the early days in the early days I um I wanted to when I decided that I wanted to be in uh radio that's what I wanted to start with radio and television I um I'd gone to university for communications Mm -hmm. and I went to get a job at a radio station that I had worked for, Hits okay. FM, that I'd worked for one summer okay. in the, you know, in the PR department. But anyway, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole other story. But anyway, so I went back because I wanted to do the news. And he's like, well, do you know how to do this, this and this? Like all the practical things that you would need. Do you sure. know how to splice tape? You know, things like that <laughs> happened in the <laughs> hey, we did it in, in, in the before times. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that in school, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine? And I didn't now? learn any of that because I didn't go to school for that. Yes. I went to. I had a communications degree, yep. so I said, "Okay, goodbye." And I went back to school. <laughs> and I went to Niagara College to learn about radio and television and how to do all the things. Um, and then <laughs> I remember. So that's, I mean, a small thing, and it worked. Yeah, and it so worked. So I got yeah. some practical experience, cool. and I yeah. came back. So it. W- but when I started in radio at this little um, country music station, they didn't have uh, BN, so they didn't have a news source at all. So they couldn't afford to pay one. So that here I am doing the news. I don't. I have. I'm ripping, literally ripping news stories out of the newspaper in the morning there was one morning I had to be on the air live and I didn't have enough stories so I'm just ripping out the paper I don't know I don't know how I did it but for some reason I mean it was a small enough station that nobody called us out on it but it was pretty (laughs) funny because the news director would find stories he would listen to other radio stations and goes listen to this station in St. Catharines and write down all the top news stories and then basically type them out and then read them yourself. And I'm like, all right, sounds like a plan. You're like, um, I got to do what I have to do. And that's what I'm going to do. Honestly, <laughs> barefoot both ways uphill in the snow, Rosie. That's what it was like in those early days in the early nineties. But uh, things, things got it. a lot easier along the way. <laughs> so I want to remind everyone here. So Kim is a seven time winner. And I, I, I really need to ask you about this because I just think it's so okay. cool. She is a seven time winner of the Toronto Sun's Reader's Choice Award for Favorite Weather Personality. First of all, has anyone else ever been nominated that much? You are just so beloved. What does it feel like every year when you win that? I just I just love it. I don't even <laughs> think they have it anymore, but it was so great. I mean, I... It was so first, awesome. <laughs> it's hilarious. The first year I won, so I won silver for, uh, I think, about four years in a row. And then I, then I wore one gold for like three years. Yes. Or the opposite, something like that. Yes. But the first year I won... I didn't know I was even nominated. I yeah. didn't know I was in it. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea. And somebody, uh, Sangeeta Patel, I don't know if you know her. Yeah, of course. She, yes, but she's a she's an OG Weather Network person. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, but I, big celeb did, now. Yeah. So anyway, so she writes on my Facebook page, congratulations <laughs> on the Toronto Sun win. And I, I, I said, and I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. And then I said, I looked around online, couldn't find anything, didn't know what she was talking about. And I said to her, I think you might have written on the wrong person's Facebook wall. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Ma'am, no, this is Kim, Kim McDonald's Facebook page. No, yeah, no, that, it's, it's, it's you. So then my husband was working at Sun TV at the time. 
And I call him and I said, can you look around to see if there's a newspaper hanging around <laughs> and see if I, I, you know, won this thing. And so sure enough, sure enough. Uh, that's what happened. Anyway, Victory. it was pretty, it was, it was, <laughs> pre- cool. it was pretty funny. And, um, yeah, I mean, I always have been say, so proud like, of you. It's, I love it. It's, it's a, just fabulous. I, I always feel like I'm just representing the weather network. You know, when I'm nominated for those, I'm, I always the only person from here. So I think, you know, it's just shout out to TWN and the team here and the great people on the air here and the people behind the scenes. 100%. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just a face and I, I love that award. I think it's really great because it's coming from the people, but, exactly. um, at the same time, I don't, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in myself and that I feel like it's all of us, you know. For sure. And, you know, it's, it's, it's true. The Weather Network, I, it's such an incredible place to work. And, you know, a lot of the faces you see on Canadian television and a lot of the voices you hear on radio and in, you know, everywhere, all the, all the platforms. It's amazing. I'm glad you brought up Sakita Patel. So many people got their start there. So many people yes. started from the Weather Network. And that's the very cool thing about working there is that you just tend to know everybody in media because everyone some so many people have have a start there it's a very supportive place to work that's for sure and um let's switch gears and talk about a time when you obviously needed that support you had your life profoundly impacted your family's life everyone that loves you by your breast cancer journey so in december of 2016 Kim received a diagnosis of stage 2B invasive ductal carcinoma. So that was from your oncologist. You had a breast cancer diagnosis and you found out you had a tumor that would require chemotherapy to shrink. So can you tell us about that? How did that affect you personally, professionally? Like how, like it must've just rocked your life. Well, yeah, it it was probably the biggest life-changing event for me, the way I think about things moving forward. Um, it had a tremendous impact on me, negative and positive. Okay. I know one thing I think in life is all negative or all positive. So this is one of those things. I mean, someone asked me before, you know, if, if I had the choice, would I have never had it happen? Or, you know, do you prefer your life now versus your life before breast cancer, which is kind of two different things, sure. but anyway, yeah. um, so a lot of the best things in my life have happened because of it, which is a really weird thing. And then a lot of obviously brutal things happened as a result of it as well. So, um, yes, when I was diagnosed, it changed everything. I had to come to a screeching halt. Yeah. Um, my life seemed to be going along really nicely yeah. at the time. Everything <laughs> was smooth, but that never happens for long in yeah. our life, right? No, uh, sure. we're always, everybody gets a curveball. That was, that was my curveball right to the head. And, um, yeah, it taught me a lot, it taught me a lot about myself, but it taught me a lot about the people I've surrounded myself with. I bet. Yeah. And if I'm going to take credit for anything, it's the people that are in my life. Like, I feel like you can attract the people to you. And if that's saying something, I've attracted some pretty incredible people to me. And, um, you know, in my darkest moments, yeah. there was always, there was always someone to, to lift me up. up, but obviously I couldn't work and, uh, I didn't want to work. No, <laughs> I was like, sure. I can't work with this head, no. this bald head. I'm not, you know, and I just, I mean, physically it's, um, extremely tough. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you want me to tell you about this. So I had like, you know, I had chemo, I had radiation, 25 rounds of radiation. I've had more than 
65 needles. I've had uh, a double mastectomy and um, I had a full recovery. I am completely cancer free. It's been six years and that's the good news. The good news is that, that the treatment work, that research matters and that I'm alive to talk about it today. Oh, you made it and it's, it's, it's so, so wonderful. And you know, Kim, you, you're in the public eye, as you said, you couldn't work. And then you also, you made a really brave decision, I think, and I'm, I'm not sure everybody would have the strength to, to do this, but you decided to document your, your journey with cancer on your, your blog. And, um, Kim's blog, she, she's, you know, you're really frank and the, and the photos are really <laughs> frank. And, you know, you talk about surrounding, giving, you're surrounding yourself with the best people. There's this beautiful photo of, of you with your two daughters and you're obviously going through the, the chemo and your two beautiful daughters are by your side and you can just see them holding up mom. Like you can just see in your daughter's faces, mom, we got you. Like we got yeah. you, we got you. And you're, and you're, and you're beaming cause you're always beaming, but you're going through <laughs> hell. Like you're going through hell. And so you made that decision. You, you, you did your cancer journey on, on your blog. How did that help you cope? And what kind of feedback did you get? Did you, did, were, did you find yourself just like crushed with a lot of, of support? What, what was it like to put it out there and then have, cause people know you, you, you know, all of Canada knows you and they're seeing you go through this. Yeah. I didn't want to just disappear. And I thought, yeah like we've been talking about, when you have a platform, you should use it. And what I thought was, you know what, I I know people who have had breast cancer, my mother-in-law died from breast cancer. And I thought, but I still don't really know about it. Like, I really don't know what it feels like, or what it, you know, what goes through your head. So maybe if I talk about it, document it, it'll be like a journal for me and other people, if they want to learn about breast cancer, could learn about it. And the first thing I did, one of the first things I did after I, I, pronounced on Facebook that I had breast cancer and I got this overwhelming (laughs) response from people, uh, people who've watched me for years, who've never spoken to me on Facebook, were telling me what I meant to them. And I was like, oh goodness, I was so shocked. Someone's like, I was up all night, you know, with my baby when she was first born and I would watch you and you kept me company. And someone said, when I was in the hospital, I was watching the weather network and you kept me company. And they felt, they felt like I was their friend. So yes, then I shaved my head live on Facebook and I'd never done like anything like that. And I didn't know if I was going to do it. I was kind of afraid. I didn't shave it myself. My hairdresser, my beautiful friend, Andrea shaved it for me. And okay. So of course it was, I I got a ton of response and support from that. But what I didn't expect Rosie was the people who told me that I was helping them. And I'm going to cry when I think about it. But a mother said to me, me and my three children, she had twins and they're all around, you know, 10 and, and 9. And she said, we watched your video. So my kids will be ready for when I have to shave my head because she had breast cancer. And another woman said, my breast cancer has just returned. And I'm so upset that I have to lose my hair again. But after watching your video, I'm ready to do it. And my daughter's going to do it tomorrow on New Year's Day. Because I did mine on New Year's Eve because I like, I have a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> you know, never. <laughs> and then Rosie everything kind of changed because when I was right I didn't expect that I was going to help other people I thought okay this will be this will help me yeah but then I'm like okay there's a there's a reason for this shit there's I have (laughs) I have a purpose uh and that I didn't I didn't know that I was going to have you know I was doing a radio show every week as well and uh so I was blogging I was 
appearing on this radio show via phone. I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. And I just talked about it uh, like a little bit like a therapy session. And this man wrote in who was a truck driver who listened to this, you know, Kim has cancer was the name of the <laughs> very <laughs> subtle to the point, to the point. <laughs> talk show. Um, and he said that his father had died from cancer, but his dad was so stoic that he didn't really know what he went through. And listening yeah. to me was helping him find closure with the relationship he had with his father. And oh. I, I mean, this was the kind of thing that was really uh, blowing my mind and honestly helping me. And, it was giving helping you me strength that, too. Like yes. I imagine you were drawing strength from that too, because something yes. that you did so difficult, you're putting out there. It's like twofold. You see other people are going through stuff too, but then what you're offering them is, 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 is helping. So I imagine that is going to be filling you up with a lot of, of comfort as, as it well. Was. That's amazing. It was. And I always think, you know, share your story, share your story. If it was just my more my husband and my daughters or close a close friend who I was confiding everything in and they were doing all the heavy lifting, trying to support me, trying to it's too much. Of it's course. too much of for course. one person or two people. But this way, there's like many people light it's much lighter, you know. One person would text me one day, another, a different person might send me flowers and everybody's doing one little thing for me. And it's so much to me, but it's little to them, you know, and I think I'm not putting all this burden on the people closest to me. I mean, it was already hard enough for them, but I can't imagine if I was quiet and nobody else was helping, you know? Whoa, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I, I, I don't think I'm ever now going to forget that, that, that story you just told of that woman saying her daughters it's you know showing that video to help prepare them like that's wow like I, I think as long as I live I'll never forget that like that's a really really amazing thing to be able to to help uh help a mom you yeah. know, get her daughter something because like, of course I was smiling through the whole thing as you know as you <laughs> yes, can only imagine you only, the kids, <laughs> well, well can we can we talk about some uh, a photo of you smiling that every time I see it so I'm actually Looking at it right now, it's on your Instagram, and it was also on a billboard in Young Dundas <laughs> Square during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and you, you can see it on Kim's Instagram. It's also, if you, if you didn't see it during the breast cancer campaign, this photo was so beautiful. It gives me goosebumps. I have all the feelings every time I look at it. The first time I saw it, I was literally speechless, and what it is is it's Kim with a stunning sunflower tattoo across her chest. It's your mastectomy tattoo, and you said, once I got the tattoo, it changed everything about how I felt about myself. It is so unbelievably beautiful. And how, and I, I, I have a, a very close friend right now who is going through um, uh, uh, cancer. And I showed her that and she couldn't even speak. I, I, she couldn't even speak when she saw the, 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 the photo of, of you with your tattoo because it gave her such unbelievable hope um, that she could feel beauty and confidence again. So what, what was the reaction to, to that? That's exactly what I wanted it yeah, to be. Because I saw did. photos like that when I was going through treatment and it gave me hope. Yeah. So I thought, you know what? Let's show it. Let's show it. Let's show other women what's possible, that they don't have to have reconstruction if they don't want it. Um, they don't have to just live with the scars if they don't want to. Yeah. They can, everybody has a choice. But... I just got this mastectomy tattoo five years after my mastectomy and 
and I'd learned to live with how I looked, which yeah. was fine. I, I could accept my new body yeah. as it was. Um, but that tattoo made me feel sexy and beautiful and strong. And I love it. I love, <laughs> I love looking at my chest with a big ass tattoo on it. <laughs> you know, it's I'm so badass. It's so beautiful and beautiful. Badass. And you know, at the end of my street on the corner, there's a tattoo studio and I walk by there um, all the time with my, with my sons and they're there. It's, they have like the, the, this traveling tattoo truck and there's, they're big windows and they're always tattooing. And these guys are like, you know, like kind of like they're, they're, um, there's a lot of tattooists there and they're covered like it's just covered in tattoos. But I will tell you one thing. They said there is no more badass tattoo than they have ever seen than yours. So no, <laughs> big time. I can tell yeah, you it yeah. was very painful. I'm not going to pretend that this thing did not hurt. Of course, it, getting it a was, tattoo hurts. Yeah, it, it, was very, it was very painful, but oh my gosh, worth it. So worth it. worth it. Shout out to Atomic Cherry Tattoo in Burlington. Amazing. Atomic <laughs> Cherry Tattoo in Burlington did the beautiful, beautiful work on 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 Kim so Kim so now it's amazing because you are you are recovered you are back at work you are Canadians get you back in their in their (laughs) living rooms and phones and wherever everybody's watching watching uh watching you so how now do you balance your personal and your professional life especially everything you have been through and then also in the fact that you work in 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 media you you have a, a family it's you're in the public eye it's a lot so tell us a little bit about how you are maintaining that sense of balance and also prioritizing your, your well-being, making sure you're all good. Yes. Well, my kids are grown now, so that's the good news. My youngest is 20 years old. I know you'll find that hard to believe. Kim, oh my gosh. <laughs> you were my, you were my call when I was in labor. I had to call Rosie <laughs> because you were our program yeah. coordinator and I was not going to come into work because I was going to be going and having a baby. So I will never forget. So funny. To Hi, this Rosie. Day. What did I say to you? <laughs> it was, <laughs> was your, okay, I will never, ever, ever forget this because only it was your husband, 3 a.m. He called, I answered the phone and I'm like, Hello, and I'm I'm and like I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the call that Kim has going into into labor and to snap into action to put everything in in place. So I answer the phone, and it's your hubby, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> okay, he called. I don't even remember. See, there we go. But then I think you took the phone from him. So then <laughs> he say, "Hey, what are you doing?" He oh said, my gosh, he's like, "Hey, so funny. what are you doing?" It was three a.m. and I just three a.m. on a Monday out laughing because only he's just oh my god, he, he made me laugh so hard. And yeah, we got you. And that and then to think that was that was twenty years ago was amazing. Yes. And I remember it like yesterday. And your daughters, oh my god, they're so they're so beautiful. So yeah, but it's nice that they're off doing their their thing. And um, yes, the youngest one is in college. Right now, the oldest one is living in the Cayman Islands, so she's gone, and the <laughs> and the and and the youngest is at home right now. So I do not have a lot of responsibility as a mother, other than to take calls from them, and when they need me, I will come You're running. There, of course, but <laughs> I think most of my time now is um, is work and then advocacy because yes. I'm doing a lot of stuff for Breast Cancer Canada. Um, I've been working with them for six years, but now you know I'm really getting out there with them, mm-hmm. and that's. 
that's where a lot of my focus is. I like, I, I split my focus, obviously, hubby and then work and advocacy. And those are the things that make me happy. That is amazing. And you were, you're, and you travel a lot. You're doing a lot of stuff. I think you were just, you were just in the States. I think it was in Chicago. You were at uh, yeah. a, an event. So it's, it's, I was at ASCO, which is the biggest oncology event in the world. Amazing. 50,000 people, oncologists, researchers, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. So I went there with Breast Cancer Canada as a patient advocate. And uh, yeah, it was just, it's just incredible to see the kind of work that's being done and the kind of discoveries that are happening and just to be a part of it and see these, you know, just be surrounded by these brilliant people who are changing the world. So yeah, I'm really proud to be a, a small part of it. Of course. Absolutely. Kim, I can't thank you enough for talking to me today and for sharing your story and how you started and all your amazing magical energy. You are simply extraordinary in every way. And I'm so grateful that you were a part of this series. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, right back at you. You are honestly one of the most magical people I've ever met. And uh, to hear you say that about me, is I, there's nothing I want more. So thank you. Thank you, Kim. I've been speaking with Kim McDonald, national broadcaster at the Weather Network. You can follow her on Twitter at KMACTWN, on Instagram at KMCDONALDTWN, and that's Mac, M-A-C. And you can read about her journey with breast cancer on her blog, which you can find at KMACBlog.com. And of course, you can watch her on the Weather Network. Thanks for joining us for another episode of AMP Talent Group's Spotlight Sessions. I'm Rosie Ferguson. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.